Thank you. Thank you so much for organizing this. Let's go through everybody's personal and professional backgrounds, starting with Angela. I'm Angela Setsis, a Chief Commercial Officer at True Algae. I started my career as a mechanical engineer working in machine tool design. Shortly into my career, I moved into biotechnology, working specifically with algae for human nutrition, particularly omega-3s for brain and eye development in infants and fell in love with algae and just think algae is an untapped resource in the universe of, that could solve many of the problems we face today. After working uh, for about 20 years with a, a successful company in algae that was then acquired by a very large company for over a billion dollars, I spent the, the next part of my career with a bunch of different startups working in fermentation for high value products in human nutrition, a little bit in animal nutrition. And uh, March 1st, 2020, I joined True Algae full time and started as an advisor about eight months before that to True Algae, looking at True Algae as the next step in my uh, development of algae, uh, high value algae products. Um, I, I look at the continuum of my career as being uh, inanimate machines for automotive, moving to human machines, now into plant machines. And if you put good things in, you get good things out. If you put bad things in, you get bad things out. So it's all relevant uh, in my brain uh, and, and my progression in my career. And what about you, Taka? My name is Taka Kamezawa. My career has been in both startup and the development finance. So I work for the World Bank, Asian Development Bank, International Finance Corporation, and also Inter-American Development Bank. So I've been to 50 countries, fortunately. It's a lot of different deals, a lot of startup. My first startup was payment, payment startup. And then how we get to the triology is just the word serendipity, the word that, uh, you know, Nathaniel and I and two other co-founders started Next Impact Venture several years ago. We just genuinely want to help the startup. So the second startup that we invested is Trilogy. I mean, it's it's a remarkable story. I think it, for the last several years, we met with so many people. We have a lot of investors, a lot of supporters. I mean, it just it just serendipity the word. I think it's we are going on to something to change the global agriculture, and I think we continue to make that effort, you know, for the next several years as well. Nathaniel, you're the CEO. Um, can you tell us about how you arrived at this point? Sure. So I'm Nathaniel Jackson. I'm the CEO. As Taka mentioned, he and I both worked at the Inter-American Development Bank. I was there for a couple decades, you know, started as an investment officer and kind of worked my way towards the top. And after I retired from the IDB, I basically, along with Taka and a few other partners, started an impact fund. And as Taka mentioned, this is one of our first investments was in this technology, which we found to be absolutely fascinating. Basically, these vertical photobioreactor tubes, which contain, you know, algal metabolites. And we were just fascinated by the technology. We now own the technology outside of Korea. But since then, we've grown the company, developed this passion for the power of metabolites and what it can do in the soil and the plant-soil interaction. And we're really excited about our company as well as uh, looking at what we can ultimately do for the livelihood of growers and the environment. So we're really excited about the future. You mentioned that the technology came from South Korea. Can you elaborate on that? One Korean American introduced this technology. So if I didn't work for this payment startup company, we never across this technology. So it's just very interesting. So before getting involved, 
father, actually, we, Nathaniel, I visited in Korea. We saw the original technology. And we did, we did nothing about the microalgae. We didn't know nothing about metabolites. We all find out along the way. But we were fascinated with the initial results in agriculture. So we believe in, and we took the risk, right? That, that's typical for startup. The only thing I would add to that is we, you know, as investors, we took a look at the uh, gross margins, which were quite substantial because there's only water, CO2, small amounts of trace minerals. It's powered essentially by the sun. So it's very, very energy efficient, uh, low cost, but also the fact that you can harvest, you know, roughly 50% every working day. So it was extremely efficient production system. And that's what attracted us to the original technology. I'd like to better understand the product and the core technology behind True Algae. Our, our system is a vertical photobioreactor system. So it's a closed system. It's not open ponds or raceways that you might hear about from other algae, microalgae production or open ocean production for seaweed. And it's a simply elegant process where we grow algae in tubes and harvest it. But the difference, the big difference in our technology is we're not reliant on the biomass, the algae biomass. We're using the algae itself as little factories to create these, produce these metabolites. And if you think about metabolites, every living organism produces metabolites. You and I sitting here today, as we're living and breathing, are producing metabolites that we express outside of our body. And when algae do this in the tubes, these metabolites help them grow and reproduce and continue to thrive. And so if you think about those same compounds, and these are can be anything from proteins to carbohydrates to enzymes, chlorophylls, you know, antioxidants, there's a whole variety of things that the algae produce. And when we harvest, we separate out that algae biomass from the water where it grows. And that water contains these very valuable metabolites. And those metabolites have similar impact on other microbes. So we put that metabolite mixture in the soil and it helps with communication in the soil. So the, the big difference between our product versus other seaweed or algae products you hear out there is we're not using the biomass. Most other products are extracting or using the whole biomass for, for their product. We eliminate the biomass for a couple of reasons. It produces a very stable compound. So we don't have live organisms in there. You don't have to worry about refrigeration or how to store it or handle it. It looks and flows like water. So there's ease of use. It can mix very easily with fertilizers, with pesticides, herbicides, other agricultural inputs, very simply, much like water would. So we've done testing. It's very stable. It's also pH neutral, uh, so it won't impact the pH of the product if it's an ingredient in a product or the soil itself. So that's, that's a big difference between other products on the market. It's, it's truly a new innovation in the industry. Metabolites as a whole are relatively young in the agricultural space. And so this is a cutting edge technology. And just one last point, one of the benefits of another benefit of uh, our production methodology is because we're not reliant on growing a lot of algae, we can harvest every day. So you can create a lot of product in a small footprint because 
it's very fast to produce these metabolites rather than waiting for a dense culture of algae. Can you describe the scale and efficiency of your production and manufacturing? 36 uh, metric tons or 36,000 liters is the amount of liquid which is in this particular facility, which is in uh, Dover, Florida. Um, we can produce between 10 and 20,000 gallons uh, per month with this uh, particular facility. It's 22,000 square foot greenhouse. We use roughly a one third of it. So as we expand uh, sales, we can expand within that, within that facility, that greenhouse facility. But we are planning in the future to also produce in other uh, states. Uh, our home state is Virginia. Uh, so we're looking at how we can expand here. We also have been uh, working with a company called SmartFlow Technologies to develop another generation of production technology, which is even more efficient and allows for actual harvesting uh, remotely. So very exciting technology. And what about quality assurance and safety? Are those factors that you have to take into consideration as you go to market? Oh, certainly. As we talked about, uh, the product looks like water. And, uh, you know, there have been people in our organization, our founder in, from Korea, who used to drink the product. So um, <laughs> that was that was a, the ultimate safety test, right? But, uh, you know, these small molecules, uh, the metabolites that are included in there are things that are all around us every day. And from a, a quality perspective, you know, what we look at is trying to control the environment the algae grows in as much as we can, pH, this the using carbon dioxide to bubble through to manage the pH so that the algae are producing this similar product. It is a natural product, so there will be variability, but we do test that biologically by putting product from different batches into pots with plants and growing them. Right now, we're, we've initiated testing on the metabolites themselves to understand better what metabolites are included in there and to make sure that batch to batch, we're producing as much of a consistent product as possible. That sounds like a simple thing to do, but it's not because metabolite testing in this way is relatively new. So we have to work with universities in inventing the wheel, really, in order to have a technology to test it beyond the biological testing in a pot. That takes time, of course. You know, you have to grow a plant to see how, how things are going. So we want something that's quicker. So your first product is called TrueSolum. Can you talk about its value proposition and what markets you're targeting with it? TrueSolum is a mixture of metabolites produced by a mixture of two algae. And what we've done to better understand its value in the industry and in agriculture is we worked with a company called Biomakers. Biomakers does genomic testing and DNA sequencing of soil to understand what's going on in the soil microbiome. So they have a database full of these genes and the DNA so that they can map what's going on. So what you do is you test TrueSolum treated soil against control soil in the same field and look at the genomic sequencing, um, the DNA sequencing to understand what's going on. What we learned from that is that TrueSolum impacts certain microbes in the soil. Mycorrhizae, which is a fungi, bacillus, which is a very broad category, but some specific bacillus, pseudomonads, azospirillum, and trichoderma. 
And so when we looked at these organisms, we said, okay, well, that's great. And farmers would be interested in improving the mycorrhizae and bacillus content in the soil because that can help with certain aspects or problems they may have with their crops. But one in particular that we looked at that we saw a really high uptick of a compound called siderophores. And siderophores are chemicals that chelate cations. Cations are things like iron. Um, so they, they chelate the iron in the soil, making it more available to crops. So what we saw was pseudomonads, which produce siderophores, we saw upregulation of both the pseudomonads and the siderophores. And to verify our hypothesis that this interaction was improving iron availability to a crop, we moved into sap sampling of the plant. So sap is like you think of with pine trees, the actual gooey stuff that comes out. Well, all plants have sap. And so we collected tissue samples from three different crops, corn, soy, and wine grapes, and had the sap analyzed between treated and control, trusolum treated and control for nutrient uptake. And we certainly saw a statistically significant uptake of iron, and this was in 12 different studies in th these three crops. But in addition to iron, we also saw a statistically significant uptake of phosphorus, and not quite statistically significant, but close, if we had more samples, we get there, of calcium, manganese, magnesium, and zinc. So our hypothesis of what these, these microbes were doing in the soil proved out to be true in the nutrient uptake in the crop. We've taken the steps on the iron side of things to look at iron deficiency chlorosis, which impacts 30% of farmland in the world. And what iron deficiency chlorosis is, is trapped iron in the soil. Usually it's a high pH soil or there's poor water quality or there's some other issue with the soil that traps the iron. The iron's there, but it's just not available to the crop. So we've tested in these soils and have shown improvement in iron uptake by the plant. If we take one step further, what does increased nutrient uptake actually mean? Are the crops larger? Is the yield higher or something else? With iron in particular, iron impacts the north Midwest of the U.S. So North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. These are big regions for growing soybeans. And iron deficiency chlorosis happens in these soybean crops in these soils to the point of killing the entire crop about once every four or five years. The solution has been to put chelated iron on the field and to prevent this, this as an insurance policy to prevent this problem. But chelated iron is messy. It's not easy, easy to use. It's not very soluble. So farmers are interested in other ways of ensuring that their crop isn't going to die from IDC. So in that extreme case, having that nutrient uptake would keep the crop from completely dying. In other cases, such as phosphorus uptake in corn, it results in uh, bigger ears, or in some cases, more than one ear per plant, which some farmers like, some don't. Um, it depends on what it's used for. You know, so a higher yield in that case. So, you know, it can be far ranging in, in this nutrient uptake. 
let's switch gears and talk a bit about the business. How do you make money? So our business model is more of a business to business. So to sell True Solum as an ingredient to ag input manufacturers for inclusion in their product line, either as in a combination with other products, uh, such as a microbial. So since we're influencing microbes, if you inoculate with microbe, a microbe and then put true solum with it, you would have more bang for your buck with that microbe or with a carbon source that would feed native microbes that are in the soil. And then true solum is there to signal those microbes to do the job that the plant needs. And that's where true solum's magic is, is to help with that conversation between the microbiome and the plant. So that's our main area of focus is in those relationships. We do have a few distributors that we work with in key markets, Florida, close to where our manufacturing is and out in California. We got started there because we were working directly with some farmers for proof of concept to get the business started. So that remains an, as part of our business right now. But our main goal is, is to be included in, in these other products. I will also say that and you mentioned this in the beginning, True Solum's our first product. We see algae as a platform for manufacturing metabolites of all varieties. So as we develop the technology, we see the opportunity to specifically create metabolite mixes that would address certain problems. This first one we see with iron and probably phosphorus as well and iron and other cations. But we could use the same algae in a different environmental condition. You know, we could manipulate the pH. We could manipulate the hours of sunshine. The, we could manipulate the environment they're growing in to produce different metabolites. And or we could also put different algae into our growing system and produce different metabolites. So we see this as a platform technology for producing metabolites from algae. For someone who's not familiar with this space, can you paint a picture of the value chain or the value ecosystem? Who are all the market participants? So we're essentially upstream of producers. So what we're doing is we're making the input. We started uh, in our go-to-market strategy, as Angela mentioned, we started very simply and very humbly selling directly to farms in Florida. We had to prove the concept there. Then once we got a little bit of traction there, we were able to raise a little bit more money. We started selling in California to a larger market, very competitive market. We're still able to make a little bit of traction there. We're able to raise some more money. And we started looking at the Midwest and kind of expanding beyond fruits and vegetables, which was our initial target to uh, row crops. And once we got a little bit of traction with selling directly to farms, we were able to start selling through distributors which is you know, where we're selling most of our product right now. But as Angela mentioned, really our focus going forward and the way that we're going to scale is to sell in bulk to these, what we call B2Bs, but they're essentially the ag input manufacturers. And our true solemn is like the phytohormone or phytonutrient secret sauce that goes into their product. And that's why we do these trials with the B2Bs to essentially be their input provider so they can sell this in bulk because they have the distribution network. They have the trusted relationships with the end users. And that's a very difficult proposition 
for a company like ours to be expanding our production to meet the needs of individual farms and get it to them. But if we work with B2Bs, these large global you know, ag input uh, manufacturers, then we can just focus on the science, which is where we're most comfortable, and, and the production, because we have a production system that we have now been doing for multiple years. And what kind of traction do you have so far? Are you at liberty to name any names? So, so we have this NDA, so we cannot disclose who are we talking to. But some are, you know, multi-billion large agrochemical company, and uh, you know, we have dealing with some of those. We are thanks to Anja's leadership, we are year one or year two with this relationship. So that that that's very exciting part of it for business. And uh, you know, metabolites becoming highly sought after product, and it's sometimes we we just wanted to become an Intel insight for global uh, input companies. And if you succeed in scaling this company, what are we talking about here in terms of the value of the opportunity? What recurring revenues are you anticipating in the future? Sure, sure. Interestingly enough, Taka and I were just working on the kind of the latest iteration of our financial model just today, this morning. So we're anticipating these larger bulk sales to several of the large global ag input providers. And, and using the example that you know Angela had with her, her previous big company, uh, MarTech, where they were selling in bulk, again, to, to global players, we're anticipating you know, in five years' time, you know, 60 to 100 million in sales. And what market share do those revenues translate to? That's still actually pretty modest because the overall size of the total addressable market of biologicals right now is about $11 billion. It's growing at 12%. And actually, it could grow even faster because, uh, Tak, I believe you were just at a you know, convention where they were talking about more regulatory pressures against you know, the entrenched chemical fertilizer industry, and therefore, that might accelerate the uh, transition to biologicals. One of the trends is some of the large uh, players in this space will demand more use of more organic inputs. So it's it's not possible to change entire agricultural space from conventional to you know regenerative. But inputs like ours, we is going to reduce the use of chemical fertilizers or synthetic fertilizer. I think that's going to be a big trend. So we will our product will help that transition as well. Let's talk about uh, risks and challenges and uncertainties. I think it's, as Angela explained, our product is cutting edge. So it's very, it's not easy for farmers or large agrochemical companies to understand our product and thinking about testing it. But I think it's, we develop the understanding of how metabolite works. So we are on this you know, trial with uh, m- many ag input companies. So I think it, we are overcoming the challenge. And another challenge in, in ag tech space is if we plant the corn, we have to wait for one year for the results. So although we want to move as fast as we can, we have to wait for this yearly harvest results to come out. And I think th- those are some of the challenge. And if one year result is great, always, always, oh, it, it's not the true storm, it's the weather. So at least we have to do one more year of field trial to prove the efficacy of Tresorum. So those are some of the challenges that we face. So this having to wait for data, how has that impacted the financing risk? Well, it certainly made it very challenging because we do have to emphasize to uh, you know, the people that we're pitching to that 
in the agriculture sector, there's a long sales cycle. But we, I think what we've been able to do is demonstrate consistent uh, testing, working with third-party sources, showing very good data. And we've been able to show you know, the types of players we're working with and building trust from showing data and also you know, what we're doing on the R&D side to show that we're cutting edge uh, a company. So we do have some sales, which proves the kind of the product market fit, but we have tried to emphasize that we are transitioning to the B2B, which essentially starts the clock again, because you have to prove it instead of proving it on a farm for a couple of years. We're now trying to prove it using the internal R&D departments of these B2Bs. And given that this is a cutting edge technology, has it been difficult to find the right technical personnel? Well, right now we Frankly, we outsource most of this. We, we're working with universities. We just uh, are engaging right in the process right now of engaging Virginia Tech, a couple of professors there for metabolomic testing. We've done our genomic testing, working with biomakers, trace genomics, other companies like that that are on, on the leading edge of that type of testing. Uh, so we've been able to outsource uh, some of that. Uh, we are planning to hire, uh, you know, a head of innovation and research to drive these types of studies going forward. Uh, and we've kind of started that whole process for, for hiring somebody. But yes, it is a challenge, uh, undoubtedly. But up till now, we've been very lean and mean and, and basically tried to outsource uh, the technology and particularly the equipment. Uh, which is needed. For for example, metabolomic testing with mass spectrometry is quite expensive, and it's really only universities that typically have this type of, of uh, equipment. Now, moving forward, what barriers do you see on your path to the summit? I think that um, we just talked a little bit about uh, technology development and finding those resources to help us develop this full platform of metabolites, because to get to those sales numbers, one product isn't going to do it. We're going to need multiple products. So we need to work with the right scientists, teams to take the base case that we have and build that family tree of the metabolites that could be out there. I think that's one of the one of the first uh, hurdles to overcome starting starting on that journey. The agriculture industry it's very fragmented. So there are many 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 players out there, companies with one product or multiple products. A lot of them are claiming the same things. So it's building your case of why you're different, why you're better, why you should get a share of the attention, a place in the jug um, that goes to the farmer. What makes our product shine and be different? And finding those places like iron deficiency chlorosis, where there hasn't been an innovation in over 70 years, here's an opportunity to bring something new to that space. And with the changing times, you know, farming has been a kind of, um, uh, farmers want to control what they can control because there are many, many things that are out of their control. And so farming has developed in a certain way, conventional farming, using nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium and feeding the land in a certain, a certain set of ways. And so it's also working with farmers and people in that are caring about the environment and the climate 
to change the thought process of how we farm. So that's a macro problem, not just for true algae to solve. That's a much bigger problem, but we're part of the solution and to work with the right entities to get to that place. But there's a lot of education and development that needs to happen for that to generationally change uh, the mindset of, of farming. And I would also say regulatory. There's a developing landscape for products like ours. In Europe, they've passed some rulings on the name biostimulants and how you become labeled as a biostimulant and how you register. That's in the works here in the U.S. as well. I think sometimes uh, these regulations hit hit the mark uh, in some ways and miss it in other ways and make it more challenging for good products to say what they need to say about what they can do. So I think working in the regulatory environment to make it better for all kinds of products, true algaes as well as others, so that farmers feel confident and comfortable using them is uh, certainly a challenge ahead of us. I'm really eager to see how you deal with the challenge of going up against the incumbents. Uh, I imagine that in your process of disruption, as you win, someone else may lose, but of course, not without a fight. Well, what's happening is the hardware chemical companies uh, are actually migrating into this space. So that's it's. Uh, I, I think they see their their vision really is they're there to provide the inputs for the growers and if they can make money on the, the biological side as well as the chemical side, they really can be part of this uh, this transition as well. Well, that's certainly refreshing to hear that the incumbents are collaborative rather than competitive. That's, yeah, that's what we're working with some of the largest players to help them make that transition. In the last few minutes that we have left, uh, can you describe the ultimate vision of True Algae and how you plan to get there? You know, we plan to get there stage by stage, and we've developed a roadmap for getting to the future. And, you know, currently right now, we're an algal-derived metabolite company focused on agriculture for plants and crops. And we also, one thing we haven't elaborated on is also the impact on animal health, working through the gut microbiome as well. So our vision going forward is to be a global leading pioneer in the frontier of metabolite research and develop innovative and affordable patented products uh, for agriculture and animal uh, production. So that's that's our vision going forward. We also have kind of a climate vision, which is we know that our product can help through the use of our products. Uh, we can help increase uh, carbon sequestration over time in the soil, help to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions because we don't have any NPK, therefore vastly reduce nitrous oxide emissions. And as you know, nitrous oxide is about 300 times the heat trapping capacity of CO2. And also, you know, we have no phosphorus, so there's no phosphorus runoff um, into the waterways. So there's a lot of benefits from an environmental uh, standpoint that we still need to quantify those data, but, but we know that there is a positive um, environmental impact and we have a vision uh, for that as well. This has been great. Uh, thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me and for sharing your insights with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Selma. It was a real pleasure. And thanks for the opportunity.